Hey, sleepy readers. Welcome to part two of Poetry with the Little Sleep Much Reading Podcast. And finally, from so little sleeping and so much reading, his brain dried up and he went completely out of his mind. Marissa, I'm really curious to hear about your book. Do you want me to go next? Yeah. Okay. So I read Into the Forest and All the Way Through by Cynthia Paleo. Um, and I don't know if I've ever read nonfiction poetry before. And then I was thinking about it and I was like, it's weird because like a lot of poems can be nonfiction, but we just don't call them that. Like a lot of poetry is like almost memoir. Um, but this one's kind of funky and different. So that's why I picked it. So it is a collection of true crime poetry that explores cases of missing and murdered women in the United States. So cool. Um, and like every page is printed on, like there's trees in the corners as if you're like in a forest, which is really cool. Um, so yeah, I read this really fast. I read this in about a day and I think it would have taken me less time than it did if I just would have read it straight through. But instead, I was kind of being like more of an active poetry reader, which is totally fine if you're not. Not everyone is an active poetry reader. And sometimes the book doesn't call for that. But this one, again, like presented something really interesting where. So I'm not, how am I going to explain this? So it goes through um, all 50 U.S. states, and it also does po uh, Puerto Rico, and it um, does like a couple cases from each state and talks about and like does a poem on that specific case. Um, so at the bottom of each poem, it has the name of the missing person, where they went missing from, their race, their age at disappearance, how long they've been missing since, um, and then which agency is investigating them, which is really friggin' cool. Sorry, my phone is blowing up. If you hear that vibrating, I, I'm shutting it off because that's annoying. Um, Sometimes it will add in like the case status. Some are just considered unresolved. Some are like remains found. Um, but yeah, and there's also phone numbers. I think those are, phone, I'm pretty sure they're phone numbers with each case also. So like if you feel like you have information on one of the cases, you can call that number, which is really cool. 
Um, but so because it has all these like stats at the end of it, I kept like reading the poem and then looking up the person to see what they look like. And even in the beginning, so this was written, I should say, I think this was released last year, but I'm not 100% positive on that. Um, and in the author's note, it says, as of today, this is like the end sentence of the author's note in the beginning. As of today, the day I'm publishing this collection, a long suspected murderer of one of these women has been arrested. A stepfather, a man who was suspected in the murder of his stepdaughter for almost 20 years. Justice sometimes takes time, but it is possible. Um, which is really cool. But then it made me, like I said, when I was reading these, have to look up every single case, see what these women look like, or in cases, what these children look like, um, and see if any of them have been updated at all most of them I think there was only like one other one besides the one that she was just talking about that had been updated since that time and like there's a couple of um one of them um at, th they go kind of far back like there's ones that are from 2020 and then there's ones that are from like 1970 um one of them the suspected murderer was literally Ted Bundy. So just to give you an idea of like how far these poems are going. Um, but yeah, so because I was an active poetry reader, it took me a little bit longer than it would have. I think you could probably crush this book in maybe like an hour and a half if you read it straight through, didn't look up any any of the people or anything like that. I simply could not do that. I was like, I need to look into the eyes of all of these women and children and identify with them and feel their pain because I'm cuckoo crazy. Um, so yeah, so there's that. And I think- Marcia, I'm sorry, what was the name? I'm sorry. What was the name of the book again? Into the Forest and All the Way Through. Okay. Um, it was so good. It did make me like kind of paranoid and sad after I read it because it literally makes you think of just like how many people just go missing doing normal things. Like my mom takes walks every single day and I'm literally always like, change up your routine. Don't take the same walk. Don't play your music really, really loud. She doesn't listen to me, but I'm just like, you don't, you never know who's watching you, who knows your routine. You don't know. Even the other day, me and Nick went for a walk and there was a guy who was like walking behind us and I could hear him because his feet were dragging. And I kept like trying to look and I like couldn't turn around enough to look. And then he got close enough that I like turned around and saw him. And it was just a guy who was like at this gym that was closing. And I was like, oh, he's fine. Because 
I, that's why his feet, I was just like, this guy must be drunk. His feet are dragging. He's crazy. And Nick was like, we're good. We're fine. And I'm like, you're fine. Don't tell me I'm fine. But he's really good at also just like picking up cues. Like also the other day we left a store and there was a drunk man. And when we started walking, he started walking and he was like walking on my side. And so I, and Nick was like carrying drinks in his hand. And I said, wouldn't it be easier for you if we switched hands so you can carry that in your right hand? AKA, this man is too close to me. You walk on this side. And Nick was like, no, I'm good. And then he was like, oh, wait, yes, let's switch. <laughs> so then he got it. So then it was fine. Um, he's learning, which is good. But I'm always like, I have to be aware. And it's so interesting when you walk around with men and they're so unaware. You can just walk down the street unawares. <laughs> like, what is this? It's wild and crazy. Um, but yeah, and it really also just makes you think. This is going to sound crazy, but it makes you think how lucky you are of like all the women in your life every single day that nothing. That don't go missing. It's insane. Um, and yeah, and, and it just honestly makes me think of. I wonder like what it would do if we could have some kind of, this is going to sound like, this is going to sound um, insensitive and I don't mean it to, but if we can have some kind of collection of like short stories or just even like briefings on like missing persons cases that comes out yearly, like I wonder how much that would change how things are how, like most of these I had never heard of before in my life and this is over a hundred missing people who just disappeared and no one thinks about but their families that's like I feel the same way when I listen to my podcast my my the the because I was murder which is like the only podcast I listen to and I'm like how have I not heard about these things like all of these missing it's, it's mostly women like how like it's insane Mm -hmm. like thousands of people like every day or just like vanishing and do you know do you know what may is it's missing persons awareness month so um we are double we're double on theme this week even though it's not may yet um there was also one and i'm trying to find it of like a mom who went missing with like a three-week-old baby so then where's the baby you know what I mean and I don't know for some reason it's like it's wild to think of like a grown-ass woman just disappearing but like a baby disappearing there's also one and this one was from like a long time ago from like 19... 70 something um and it was in New York where this one the baby was three days old and the mom 
um, was checking out of the hospital with her baby and a woman just walked up to her with a gun and was like, give me your baby. And she did. And they literally never found that baby. And like, I think the lady probably just wanted a baby. Maybe she like couldn't have her own kids or something. And she just wanted that baby. And now she, there's, there's a, there's a, it was an 85. So there's a grown ass adult who's walking around who thinks that someone is their mom who's just not. And that, that shit is like what so mind blowing to me. Like, like I think I've seen like a lifetime movie where it's like that you, that like if you get abducted as a kid and then you grow up and then you just like don't even realize. And then like I saw this movie where like that happened, but then the kid like ran into his real mom. And the real mom knew it was him, but boy did it. And then it's like, how do you even, if for, if they do get found, how do you even, how does that reuniting even happen? Right. And that's so crazy. Like, I was just thinking like, in my head, I'm like, oh my God, if you commit like a murder, like you're so obviously going to get, you're like, you're going to get caught. Like you're, oh, like you're definitely going to get caught. But then I'm like, there are so many crimes that are just like not solved and like people that have been taken that I'm sure have been murdered that like have not been solved. Like there are so many murderers and abductors out there like that haven't been caught because there's that many people missing, which means like that many crimes have just been unsolved unless it's like their body has just uh, been recovered. But like typically it's because the case hasn't been solved. Like that's insane. Crazy. Like that's why I feel like it's like, so crazy like they have the like, I haven't done this but like they have like those apps or like those websites where you can like see the criminals in your area like I know you can see like the sex offender registry but then they have other ones where it's just like just shows you like criminals in your area and like I'm sure there's not that many around me because I live in fucking New Hope but like there's so many people that are just like you're you don't know anybody could be doing anything like you said Marissa like with your mom taking walks like you don't fucking know Mm-hmm. I've looked mine up before and mine actually doesn't have a lot of bad people in it but I think it's because I live right across the street from a school yeah that makes sense okay so one fu- I don't want us to go off too far on a rant but really funny thing about that you can't live that close to a school when you're a criminal so that makes sense Marissa but at the same time there's some like way around it that is like however many feet it can be So from across from my middle school growing up, there was like three houses and then just far enough that you could see it from the school and you could easily get there from the school. But like there was like enough like a lawn that it wasn't actually like school property. There was a condo complex that was literally for sex offenders. My God. That's from a middle school. Isn't that crazy? That's actually fucking insane. How, like, like, who is allowing these things to happen? I don't understand. Like, who, how? Like, oh my God. People just, like, do not care enough about their jobs when they are working. Like, which I get. Like, but, like, that job's important. Some people have important jobs. Like, you need to, like, care. Well, it's, like, another thing, too, that's, like, when Marissa was talking about, like, you know, like we love Nick, but like Nick doesn't even realize these sorts of things when he's walking down the street. It's like, 
okay, thank God Nick doesn't have a job where he's in charge of making sure that women are safe. Right. There are men who have jobs that have to deal with, like, you know, the guy that set up that house didn't even occur to him that there was a middle school across the street. No. Right. It's just like, it's just like right. It's just like what's convenient and what makes the most money. Right. Like, it's so ridiculous. Like, how, ah, like, people's lives are in danger. Literally. And like, children. You know, Nick, Nick is more aware than most men because he has an autistic sister. Right. And so he actually does think about those things in certain contexts but like he never like Kate can't walk very well so he would never just take her for a walk so of course he's never thinking about that right yeah and like that's the thing it's like unless you have a part like it's so like you have to uh, most of the time like you have to have an instance where either like you're a woman or like yeah like in Nick's case you know somebody to like have that kind of compassion which is like ridiculous is like it should I mean it's not ridiculous like it makes sense but like then those are the people that need to be hired or the people that have perspective home so in the beginning of the book she has a couple poems that um aren't attached to cases are just general and also she has one at the end of the book two actually um at the end of the book that are general. So this one has a lot kind of to do with what we were just talking about. So that's why I think it's perfect to read. Also, I don't know, I would feel bad like reading one of the ones about like one of the missing people, but then not like about another missing person. So I'm gonna read a general one. It's called, I am walking, someone lurks. The man walks too close behind me. The man across the street stops and smiles. The man in the car drives slowly behind me. The man at the bus stop asks me my name. The man at the grocery store asks where I live. The man at church touches my shoulder. The man at school calls me into his office. The man on the bicycle stops ahead of me. The man in the parking lot asks if I need a ride. The man in the pickup truck parks in front. The man walks up my steps, knocks on the door. The man peeks in the window and says, I see you. Freaking men. Scary. Stop it. Just literally. That's so good. And there's probably so many men who just like are walking and they're like, oh, she's wearing really bright shoes. And they'll just like turn to look at you. But to you, you're suddenly like, why is that man? Why did he just turn and look at me? It's because, like, to be a woman and to be seen is, like, immediately threatening. Mm-hmm. Or is already a potential threat. Yes, literally. Um, okay, now I'm trying to decide if... Okay, so like I said, at the end of the book, there are two poems that are general but one is split into three parts so I'm like do I read the last part of that third part one or do I just read the second poem what do we think 
I feel like you should just read both. Okay, I'll read both. Yeah, I was gonna say the same thing. <laughs> so the first one is called A Woman of Color Has Gone Missing in Three Parts. But I'm gonna read the last part, which is subtitled Body. And also there are some words in here that I'm gonna have a hard time pronouncing. So eh. you're at a party and your Tia pulls you aside and tells you how you look so much like that one cousin from that one aunt from maybe it was from your father's side of the family who went missing so long ago and they never found her body. Kay Pobrecita. And she was going to be a doctora studying late into the night working into the twilight hours between school and work she never slept and maybe it was her boyfriend or that other man who eyed her that one day on that one block and beeped his horn and drove around back through the street just so he could smile and she said his smile was all sharp teeth and blood stains and that was so long ago we should not talk about those things and yes she was your age and yes she was so beautiful and yes what a doctor she would have been and her mother cried every night and they found her mother years after her daughter went missing, clutching a sun-worn, tear-stained tear picture of her in her quinceanera dress. Dead on the kitchen floor, her heart split in so many pieces. And there was no more life worth living when so much had been taken for perhaps just a few moments of violation. I can't think about this anymore, so let's have another drink. But there's rumors her body was found by a coyote in a canyon. But let's never talk about these things and forget how scared she might have been when she was pulled, pushed into a car, driven someplace that was not her home, touched and taken by someone who was not her love, and discarded away, fluttering in the wind like prayer flags, her memory now joined forever with the missing and murdered, forgotten and ignored women, our women, our little girls. And then the last one is called Echo. Listen. You can hear the echo say, I do not want to die this way. I just want to see my mother. I just want to see my father. I want to see my daughter. I just want to see my son. Please, I just want to live. I just want to go home. It hurts. Please don't. Please let me go. And that's the end of that. Um, yeah. And I just think how hard it must be to like read these cases and then have to come up with a poem about them. How terrible it I'm must be. I'm thinking about, she must have been, I'm wondering like what her research looked like, like that process. Like she must have had to have been so enthralled in all of these cases. Cause like, mm -hmm. You know she didn't just read like one article and like just knew what happened but like you know she you know she like deep dived because otherwise how would she have been able to write these poems for such like a like uh considerate like compassionate point of view and I'm also Jesus. Just like some of these people went missing so long ago their families are probably mostly dead i can't imagine she like reached out to their families how does that work? And then, I mean, I think that this book is a good thing, but then it does make me think like how many, like when someone goes missing, they're just put in on this kind of spotlight where it's like, they're not 
physical beings anymore, kind of, and they're just open for these things. Yeah. Yeah. It's always like a touchy, like a interesting subject when it comes to like true crime, because like <clears throat> I love true crime and like listening to true crime and stuff. But it's always like, you know, what do you, what would like that person think about their story being like, you know, told for entertainment purposes or even I guess this is a book of poetry so it's not even really entertainment as much as it is like oh just art um, right but still like what would they you know I don't know because I think it's most like I tend to think it's a good thing but like also you can't speak to any of these people that's the whole thing they can't speak for themselves. Damn. It's wild, isn't it? Insane. Cool, it's cool. like so good though. Like Yeah. I really I love nonfiction poetry collections too. Like ones that are like there's a difference I think between like the Bukowski type of poems where it's like they're always about his life. Right. Versus like ones that are like more like a memoir broken into poems like I read I really the only I read Brown Girl Dreaming oh yeah uh, um which was really good and that was like the first like nonfiction like memoir poetry collection that I read right it's really it's cool to see it I don't know I like I feel like I like reading him and in poem form because it's one I feel like it's easier to read but like you you can get the impact of what they are trying to say with their story of whatever has happened in their life and like such a short amount of time like in a compact space you know I don't know I just like poems totally we love poems I'm with you Miss Liza. Um, so yeah, I read this book that I picked up at McNally Jackson that is not like a super in publication. It's from a small publishing house from their 2019 catalog um, called Not a Cult is the name of the um, publishing house. And it's funny, the only other book, they published this that fall, one other book, and then um, a book from Rufio Tezuko by Dante Bosco, which you guys know who Dante Bosco is, um, like he's Rufio and also Zuko. And I think that's kind of funny. <laughs> like his memoir was just published in the same like catalog that this okay, range. book was published in. <laughs> okay, range, period. Um, but yeah, I was like, I came across this. I honest to God picked it because of the cover. Um, I love it. And then the second I read Afro Surrealist, I was like, you sold me. And I think I kind of conflated Afro Surrealism with Afro Futurism, um, which I'm not the person to like speak on what the definition of either of those things are. Like you should definitely like ask a African person a black person 
Um, but from what I gather, Afrofuturists, like we associate a lot more with, um, I think, like science fiction, whereas Afro surrealism would be a little bit more like Afro magical realism or like um, I read this book called The Deep and it was those that story where it was like the black women that had been kicked off dumped off the slave ships who were pregnant and then their babies became like mer people like that's Afro surrealism whereas like Afro futurism is like um, N.K. Jemisin's book like um, How Long Till Black Future Month um, that's for, for what I understand to be like the difference there but yeah this is basically an exploration of what it means to be so it's it's a it's poetry but it's prose poetry and it's basically most of the time in like essay format but there's also some like random like poetry like messing around on the page and then there's a lot of um like play format dialogue as well so like this one that I'm showing to uh Riss and Lexi is like a conversation between the narrator and Stonewall Jackson um so it's like obviously like not actually real but um it's really interesting it's an exploration of what it means to be a black queer person coming of age in the American South and I love the way that they describe it on the back because they say um an excavation of a, a gender queer black millennials formal introduction to their ancestral point of Mecca and no return, the American South. Like describing the American South as a black person's Mecca and no return is so freaking cool. And I think one thing that's really important for me to mention about this book is Marissa and I have had this conversation a lot and I feel like Lexi and, and has probably had this conversation also in school that like some things are not for you. Like this book was not written for white people to dissect and even understand. Like there's some things that as a white person reading this, you're just not, there's no world in which you will ever understand the experiences these people go through. Um, but it was still such like a like I felt I felt grateful to get to read it and I really enjoyed it and I thought that the author's writing style was so unique and it was like to that end just because something is not for you doesn't mean you shouldn't read it in fact I feel like it me even more so means that you should read it and if there's anything that you don't understand you have to take it upon yourself to educate yourself further so that you can understand it just a little bit more. Um, so I did just wanna say that before I you know, got into reading any of the poems or, or anything like that, but yeah, really interesting. Like it just, our narrator, um, they take us through like different points in their life where a lot of times they're talking about how they can't really relate to um, black Americans who can trace their ancestral roots back to Africa, because as somebody who's like ancestors have, were like brought over here from the slave trade, like there's no way to really tell where you came from or who your people were before they came to America, were forcibly taken to America. And also there, 
is conversations in this book about um how whiteness plays a role in that and what it means to be a black person who um has white ancestors um from back when there were slave owners who would obviously do like terrible things and that's how you end up you know looking the way you look as a black american versus an african person um so a lot of it is taking place in the deep south but there's also a point where our narrator returns to or doesn't return to but visits ghana uh and that's a really interesting portion of the book and and also like this person is gender queer but there is a lot of conversations too about like men both white men and black men interacting with black women and the layers of what it means to be a black woman and how you are you people feel like they own you in a way that white women will never experience that kind of um oppression so that was really interesting but there was also a lot of tender moments too like her like um the first like sort of queer relationships and then the difference between what it is to be what it means to be with a black woman as a as a gender queer person versus what it means to be with a white woman like a lot of these different conversations and it's all all of the poems and the and the mini plays and the essays that are read throughout this book like they're all flowing into and out of each other like sort of being like braided together in a way that you can never really tell which timeline is which which I think is where that afro surrealist aspect of it comes to like like I said like there's a conversation where the narrator is like talking to like Stonewall Jackson but there's also this part where the narrator is split into two people um and the second person is literally called two like T-W-O and then there's like all this different there's portions where the narrator is a deer like literally like a the deer like the animal and like it's all this weird but really freaking cool stuff happening together that I thought was really really great and I never really read anything like it um so now I'll just read a few parts that I really liked and I'll start so by the way none of these are mixed into different poems like it's all page one you just have to read until the end um there's no like sections or poems or poem titles or like chapters or anything like that um so here we go. Um, let's do. When our mamas almost die, Confederate statues still have human clansmen to sit underneath them on Sunday afternoons. I buy a plate of grits and cornbread and watch them the Sunday after my mamas almost died. Before the night I decided I would die over someone else's words. Figured it my ancestral right, a right to watch the men who want to kill me not kill me. I drink a liter of champagne. I get drunk as my grandfather, white enough to be the clan's new Jesus. Surely would and did. His one-fifth of Jim Bean a day proper use of early formaldehyde. I nodded my head at one of them, them Confederate flag supporter I happened upon. He was on his Harley. He nodded back. He revved his engine so loud I jumped. Then they all did. Then they left. A small chorus of smoke revving left to Highway 7, Tupelo and Memphis and Holly Springs. My grandfather's voice in my head screaming, don't walk with your eyes on your feet. 
And then that skips to the sort of like line of the poem, line of the book that is the title of the book, which is, we were at the blind pig, one of the 10 bars on the town square. Oxford looks like a caged paradise for magnolias and white women to appear virginal and black men to appear toothless. The trees are all my mama's hair, picked out big like she did in the 70s. Natty halos no one wants to touch. Um, and I just thought that was really gorgeous. And this is one of the ones that's like, this author is really interesting because we learned a lot about this in school, how you will do a space or you'll do a punctuation in order to do a pause. And there's these parts of the book where you can tell the narrator is getting like so sort of like revved up that the punctuation starts to disappear. So like when I was first reading that, there was a lot of punctuation. And then by the end of it, there were sections where there was no punctuation. And so I take that as you're supposed to like read it faster, which I always really, really, really love. Um, I'll do this one next. You know, I love that, Liza. I know you love that. <laughs> I know you love Marissa that. knows that too. Y'all know. We know. Fuck a punctuation mark. Fuck a punctuation mark. Um, okay, this is another one I really liked. Two has this recurring dream every night a ritual. They feel around in their mouth with their tongue and a critical tooth. One in the front, close to the people two'd encountered, falls out, spits it out like a sunflower seed, and then all the rest start raining out their mouth, having been mistaken that one tooth was more important than the others. Sometimes the teeth two spits out aren't even teeth. They were when lodged in their gums, but once out the mouth and into the hand, they're the most pedestrian objects, a keychain, a class ring, a shark tooth emblem on a penny you put in a slot machine, a garbage treasure, items that could be cherished or repellent or most often both. To wonder what that meant they was made of as a human person, made of the shit you should throw away or if their teeth could be shape-shifting. Was two even what their mirror dictated back to them? Whenever two wakes up from this dream, they feel around in their mouths a return to sanity. These are my teeth and they are in my mouth. Two wondered when the recurrence started, when their father would sing to them before sleep, or when their father would play the Ken Burns Civil War tapes before sleep. Or was this dream the progression of two's other recurring dream, the one where they got sleep paralysis underneath their parents' wedding quilt, the one with the names of every member of their family sewn into it except for their own because they weren't alive then and their English professor enters the room a shadow his pants bulging lewdly to stand over two's bed laughing the dream is never more interesting than what it represents anxiety at the time two didn't know saint was from east saint louis and that that's different from the rest of saint louis and that he was anything more than two's late night land shark delivery man two had ordered sushi and waited for the order to complete receiving a call from a number native to saint louis the voice at the end of the line complaining that he couldn't find the house and two had to understand their house being entirely consumed by kudzu vines and invasive species carnivorous and not native to the south but here all the same the most human of plants by its nature to eat this kind of insatiable humanity makes it hard to see the number of on the front of two's building 746 the door being mostly glass two sees they self before they see saint shuffling on the sidewalk plastic bag in hand phone to left ear I really love that part about the teeth falling out. I listen. The second you put teeth in a poem, I'm a have it. 
I'm a, d- d- delicious. I'm gonna munch it right the fuck up because I love that. Okay, and I'll read one more. Um, I don't know what. Oh, there I went. I don't know why I'm in here twice, but I know. I first like I was like, my dad joined the chat. <laughs> Dude, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. My computer's spazzing, but it, it's just me. We're here now, and it's okay. Um. Okay, so this last poem that I'm going to read is the very end of the um, book. It's the second to last page. So to add context to this, when we start out, the way that the narrator frames the book is that what follows from page one is a sort of glitch that's happening. And that's that Afro-surrealist aspect. That's why you can never tell what timeline you're in what's real, what's present, what's past. Um, so it starts off with this glitch that's occurring where we see a deer and an armadillo kick it on a Mississippi porch, rain coming down. And it's like, you, you're you supposed to picture from what I got, kind of got, like, um, like a TV glitching kind of like that static vibe to it. And so we never really encounter that again throughout the book until the very end, which is this part I'm gonna read. Two got up and started walking. Saint followed in suit, glitch. A deer and armadillo started walking, following in suit, glitch. A deer and armadillo are on a boat sailing for the Americas from Ghana, glitch. Two black bodies on a boat in the same direction, glitch. Two black bodies on a plantation in Mississippi, glitch. An armadillo and a deer grazing in Mississippi, glitch. Two black bodies are trees and are on the trees, glitch. Two black bodies share a blunt, glitch. One black body is in the house, the other on the football field, glitch. One black body is in the house, the other on the cotton field, glitch. The water doesn't agree with you, glitch. There is no you, just the five women in your head and the scars on your back, glitch. A deer orders sushi on a rainy night, glitch. An armadillo gets side-eyed by white police and Dodge Challengers, glitch. A deer walks into a bar with a white woman, glitch. A black man walks into a bar with a white woman, glitch. A black boy whistles, glitch. A white woman lies, glitch. A man is a man and all his stories at a woman, femme, glitch. A mother tells you how to hold a man's stories, glitch. A man brains a woman and she is shadow, glitch. A man hunts a woman down and she is a deer, glitch. A name reverberates three continents and lands growing a nation itself, glitch. A culture is sucked dry, glitch. A deer and an armadillo walk into a bar, glitch. A man wants a woman to become all the women he's loved before you, glitch. A deer loves a woman and is a woman and isn't a woman at all. Glitch. A man doesn't care. Glitch. Who owns you? Shit. I love that. That was so good. I'm gonna I'm cry. That was amazing. That was so good. That was one of the most mind-blowing like poems I think I ever read in my life. Will you send me a picture of that? I'll send yeah, it. Send that in the group chat. There's just so much to even unpack. The glitch was just so perfect. Oh, good. The repetition, the build. It's so good. I'm taking a picky. I think I, I have a few favorite parts of that. I think. I think the one where it says glitch, a black boy whistles glitch, a white woman lies. And then I also think this whole part, glitch, a man is a man and all his stories 
at a woman femme glitch a mother tells you how to hold a man's stories glitch a man brands a woman and she is shadow glitch a man hunts a woman down and she is a deer so good what the shit so, so good man so fucking good what is that one you get taught to tell how to, to tell a man's stories yes how to hold a what man is that part um oh how to uh, a mother tells you how to hold a man's stories. Oh my God. And you know what? There's so many poems that can't be read out loud. It's just not right. And that is the perfect one to read out loud. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I exactly. Like to, I would like to see this author read it out loud. Oh yeah. She needs to do a Rupi Car tour. Period. <laughs> um, and also, Aziza Barnes also has um, another collection of poetry, but they also have like a play, which was put on in Chicago. Oh, they, I am so sorry. No, so that's, they. I think they might go by any pronouns. Okay. Because they definitely have like, are referring to themselves as she in the book, but also he in the book. Okay, gotcha. So I think it's anything. But they were also a Kawe Kanem fellow. Damn. Um, but they have a play. But my favorite thing about their blurb on the back is just says Aziza Barnes is black and alive, period. I said, damn. Like they're like they're it's even so simple. That's why I just there's such a way with it. Right. So good. There's so much fin there's so much finesse with poetry. Yes. Yes. Like and there's no rules, but at the same time, it's like you can, so you could really write anything, but at the same time, like when you read something that's actually good poetry, you're like, I know this doesn't have rules, but it made its rules and it did it, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it lives by its own, its own, like, I don't know. It just lives in itself and does what it's supposed to do. And it's just like all about like I don't know you guys know I love my words like it's just all about the specific like picking the specific like it's so interesting to me how like like that like could all sound like any poem could be written like somebody could try to copy it down and write it their own way but like with just even the same little lines with just different synonyms for different words but like it just doesn't sound the same it's like so specific but it's also like I don't even think they think about that hard because I know like when I do like I don't even think about it that hard it's just like it's just like you know the word that has to come next it's but just, it's like literally every word matters yes yes um Lexi before we go would you like to read like a recent poem that you have written Sure, I can read a poem. I would love to hear Alexi um, bring it home with a Lexi poem. Um, let's see, which one should I read? <clears throat> um, okay, I have. I have two that I wrote recently this this past month. So I'll read those. They're nothing crazy. Uh, they're pretty simple. 
Um, but um, this first one, uh, they don't have titles either. So, you know, it can be called whatever the hell you want. So this is the first one. <clears throat> Sitting in the waiting room, stirring up a pot of something acidic, lime and vinegar and cayenne, a cold thing to the tongue has healed some people. Filling out the paperwork, I sign my name instead of yours. Words running away from me, a name I remember close to me on the page. I am scared for you. Won't they please? Couldn't they possibly, if I am willing? Cradling your lungs in the dampness of my palms, I am agitated and pretending not to be. Will it happen in a way I won't regret, or will it become a cavity inside my chest? Scissors jump to the edges of your body and glide, dumb, silly, across your landscape. I hate the way they touch you. A person, not a person. A soul, invaded like foreign soil. Praying, and I never pray, for the words to remain slippery, so that you will always know what I want to say, and the words that came first before I got there, to you, on this earth, in this place, where the lights do not work. Please never stop noticing me. I have never needed you like I need you now. That's the first one. Snaps. <laughs> um, and then this one I wrote. And I don't know, this one's kind of interesting, I guess. Also wrote this one like couple days ago honestly okay also doesn't have a name not much mattered after that we lost our socks our shoes our ties and cufflinks our hats unstitched from our heads the ribbons from our throat tidily sliced and put away the glasses we once used to see in front of us have been placed backwards on our scalp so as to see clearer in the rear view and that's the thing we only noticed how silly we have been once we've been told how we could have done it all differently. The peaches sour, the cherries pop before they ever reach our mouths. It's a splendor of regret, a panicked feast, running, running, rolling our ankles. It always aches all the time and I have no more patience for it. Suddenly everything is closer while we only get farther away. Where are you going? Come back to me, come back to me. Now is when I need you. I'm looking for you in the corners, but I can't find you. There is only a ceaseless sadness, and I know how this all sounds. Believe me, my heart is a mop bucket, and my eyes are clouded by an acid rain. But you and I are something still here on this planet, breathing. And I don't think love is what keeps us together. I think it's hope. There's something about knowing you believe in me, and I believe in you too. Lexi, okay, there's something about Lexi's poems that always like, okay, so they're so beautiful, and then there's always at least one thing in it that's so gross in like a really like good way that literally makes me like shudder, and in this one, it was the running and running and rolling our ankles, like that literally <laughs> throw the fuck up, but like I'm so happy that it made me want to throw up. 
<laughs> I do like to do that. You love to do that. Like you love to break people's bones and tear people's skin. And, and I really do. It works so well because it's obviously not like literal, <laughs> but you get no. to see it literally. But then you also, you write in a way that is so, um, like you were talking about with Bukowski, like so unpretentious that people can understand what you're trying to say. I love it. I appreciate it. Thank you, baby. I, tr- I, I, I try. I've been trying to write a little bit more since I have downtime at the cafe, trying to keep it going. I wrote some other things that weren't poems, but, uh, you know, that were a little more prose poemy. But that's good. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I kind of been fun writing more poems uh, back to writing. I haven't written poems in a while. Yeah. Really? So it's been nice. Getting back to the roots, you know? I love us. I love us. I love us too. That was so delightful. I love us. I love poems. I love it all. That was just so like nice to sit and talk about books for hours. Um, do you want to know what we're reading next week? Yes, of course. For Lexi and for the listeners. Um, Please share. Next week. Wait, Marissa, you said tell you what the theme is actually because. So we're going to be doing niche week, which for me, that just meant this book seems really out of pocket and like really uh, specific. Yeah. With that, what you will. Right. So I'm really like a very specific audience. I'm exactly cool. Yes. So I'm, (laughs) I'm reading this book called, which I think is perfect for me, especially at this stage in my life um like this precise moment it's called Patricia wants a cuddle and oh, I'm so excited that you're reading that <laughs> it's literary fiction and it takes place okay so basically it's a reality te- television show like The Bachelor called The Catch um which I'm addicted to reality tv right now but it's lit fic magical realism so it takes place on this weird island in the Pacific Northwest And there's like a rogue gorilla, presumably named Patricia, running around the island. And also it's sapphic. Love it. Stop right now. I'm so good so far. I am for sure tuning in. Tune in. That's my. I have my notifications for your guys' podcast on my phone. I literally have notifications for you guys and my favorite murder. Hell yeah, brother. Oh my God. Oh my god, that's like amazing! It's like it's King so Kong, Bachelor. King Kong meets the, the Bachelor. So bachelor realism, lesbian. Exactly. So kind, Marissa. What's yours? So I'm reading this book called "The Orange Eats Creeps" by Grace Krilanovich. Um, I've already started it. I have thoughts, so can't wait to discuss them. Oh, and <laughs> the niche thing about it is that it's about teenage hobo vampire junkies. Wow. Mm-hmm. Now that is an angle. That's right. an angle. Um, hey, but that's all they wrote, you guys. Thank you for well, coming, Lexi. 
Thank you guys so much for having me. This was a blast. We love you, Lexi. I love you guys, and I love the listeners. Everybody keep on tuning in. And everybody follow Lexi on Instagram at Miss Lexi Anderson. And yes, that's my my social. I th- I have a Twitter that I never use, and I have a TikTok that I don't post on, but Instagram at Miss Lexi Anderson. And also See read her story in Hobart Pulp. Yes, read my story in Hobart Pulp, please. Hand on thigh. Hand on thigh, bitch. And we'll see y'all next week. Bye. Bye. We're so pumped for that.